Welcome all to Kingdom Life Church VA Podcast. At KO, we endeavor to advance God's kingdom one life at a time. So, I pray that wherever you're listening from, that this will help you be encouraged. Here is this week's message. We do believe in confessing, and so I'm going to um, do our Bible declaration. So if you have your Bible, I just want you to lift it in your air. And if you don't have your Bible, like Pastor AJ said, there's no condemnation. All the scriptures will be on the screen. Um, as you're lifting your Bible in the air, I also want you uh, to just say amen to those who are joining us by way of social media. We welcome you joining us on today. So glad that you tuned in to Kingdom Life Church. I want to say you will not be disappointed by the word that you hear today. I believe God has ordained and set aside this time for all those who are in attendance as well as those who are on site so that he can get the oil that's out, out of your life. Amen. All right. So if you have your Bibles lifted up. Amen. We got a lot of glow-in-the-dark Bibles in here today. Amen. (laughs) Praise the Lord. I'm just joking. I love to have fun. You know, God gives me my sense of humor, and so I love to use it when I minister. So repeat after me. This is my Bible. It is the living Word of God. I can do what it says I can do, and I can have what it says I can have. Incorruptible, ever-living seed of the Word of God. My mind is alert. Come on, my mind is alert. And my heart is receptive to receive this word. My life and your life will never, ever be the same in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, give the Lord a shout of praise. Hallelujah. Now, I want to just put like, pay God, I want to say, I want to put like one disclaimer out here. And that disclaimer is this is no time to fall asleep. Go ahead, tell your neighbor, look to the left and to the right, this is no time to fall asleep. I know we had a great time of of praise and worship. I know you, uh, look, extended some of your energy with all of that jumping and shouting that the praise team was doing, but this is no time to fall asleep. You know, you fall fall asleep after you eat the good meal. So I'm getting ready to serve you the meal, and then after you eat the good meal, then you'll have an opportunity to move over and eat and fall asleep. Amen? But this is no time to fall asleep. And I say that because I've labored for this message this morning. I didn't just, you know, get up one day on today and say, you know what, I think I'm going to talk about this, Google it, print it out, and come before you. I labored for this thing. Now, anytime somebody gives you a home-cooked meal and it's not store-bought, you know they labor for that. I I know some of y'all have said, look, Big Mama put her toe up in these collard greens. So I want y'all to know that on today, I labored for this message. And I believe that as I've labored for it, it was because God wanted to serve something up and fresh and new in your life. Amen? All right, now are y'all ready for the word? Okay, let's go. Glory to God. So on this morning, I'm going to be teaching uh, a subject or a message entitled, and look, I'm going to tell y'all now, don't ask for no part two. Y'all know how y'all do? You know when the meal is good, you ask for that second plate. There ain't going to be no seconds today. I ain't cooked nothing extra, all right? We got one plate. You're getting one plate, and that's it. All right, so the title of today's message, so you got to eat everything on your plate. You got to eat everything on your plate. So the title of today's message is simply, the enemy of comparison. The enemy of comparison. All right. Those of you who have your Bibles, let's look at Hebrew, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 out of the New Living Translation. And it reads, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, 
Let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. I want to read it again. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. Who set the race before us? Amen. Media, did y'all start my time? Glory to God. God is the one who set the race before us. Amen. Now let's look at Corinthians uh, chapter 9, verses 24 through 25 out of the New Living Translation. It says, don't you, oh, I'm waiting on media. I'm sorry. While y'all catch up, I'm going to go ahead and read. It says, don't you realize that in a race, everyone runs? But only one person gets the prize. So run to win. 25 says, all athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away. But we do it for an eternal prize. As I was reading both of those scriptures, Hebrews 12 and chapter, I mean, Hebrews 12, chapter 1 and Corinthians 9, 24 and 25, um, you will begin or it begins to paint a picture of people running in a race, right? So today I'm going to kind of talk from that position of us being runners in a race. Now, one of the things I know about running is you have to train, right? Um, you can't eat Big Mama sweet potato pie the day before and think you're going to go out there and be um, superior, right? Uh, you have to discipline your body. But also, you have to discipline yourself mentally. That's one of the things that I want to take note of or share with you all today. It's not about necessarily how much I train, how much I lift weights, how many squats I do, how many sit-ups I do. I have to be mentally prepared for the race that I'm going to run. Amen? So, again, let's talk about compare. Compare is defined as to estimate, to measure or note the similarity or dissimilarity between. Again, to estimate, to measure, or note the similarity or dissimilarity between something. So not too long ago, for those of us who are interested, we were watching the Summer Olympics. Anybody watch the Summer Olympics? All right. And so those of us who were watching, we know that the Summer Olympics has all type of sports. Like they, I've realized in the time that I've been born from the time I used to look at the Olympics into now, they, get, they got things like skateboarding, which is an Olympic, an Olympic sport. Like how did that become an Olympic sport? You know, they got, they got things, I know, right? But they got things like uh, track and field, figure skating. So I'm going to talk about track and field just a little bit on this morning, all right? Track and field, in those, for those who watch track and field competitions, you see all of the athletes gather at one time, right? They say we're going to do, um, I don't know, the 100-yard dash, the 4 by 4 whatever it is for my people who run track. I got some track runners in here, don't I? Maybe not. Okay, glory to God. Maybe that's the second service, glory to God. Amen. But for those who run track and field, they call all the athletes to the field, glory to God. And notice one of the things that the athletes do when they come, like they all come like, right, when they get in position, they like this. Remember, they've trained for this event. 
when, when they're doing this, they're not thinking about how many more sit-ups they got to do. They're not thinking about how many more squats they got to do. They're trying to get into their mental headspace. Remember that. Usually you'll hear the announcer say these things to them. It's called a three-command start, and this is, what, this is what they say. They said, on your mark. On your mark simply means get in your lane. Look, with your feet on the starting block. Number two, get set. Get set means to get in the starting position. And last but certainly not least, the thing that's going to launch them forth is the word go. Go means to take off. So as I come to the starting line, I get in position, right? I put my feet on the starting block, and then I hear the gun fire, and I'm off and going. Glory to God. One of the things I learned as I was studying short-distance races, not long-distance, but short-distance races for this particular text is two things must happen if the runner is going to be successful. Number one is the runner must race for the entire distance. Mm, there's some good stuff here. They got to run for the entire distance. There will be no shortcuts they can't detour at all. They've got to run the entire distance. And then number two, this is good. Listen up for those who are taking notes. You'd certainly want to write this point down. They must remain within the lanes that are marked on the track. Shout, stay in your lane. Come on, shout, stay in your lane. They got to stay in their lanes. In each race, every lane is marked by lines. And these lines are the boundaries that keep them in the competition. Did y'all hear me? Each lane is marked by lines. And these lines are the thing that keep them in the competition. The lines are there to help guide them, listen, towards reaching the end destination. But what I discovered when I was looking at this particular short distance race and reading the rules, what I found out is that if any, if any athlete runs outside his or her assigned lane, they are subject to disqualification. Shall stay in your lane. Amen. So how do they become disqualified? You might be asking. Once the race is in motion, instead of staying focused on the goal and building momentum with each stride, let me show you what they do. Instead of staying focused and building momentum with each stride, y'all seen it where they start, when they gunfire, they start out, they going good. You're like, oh, girl right there, that girl right there, number 20? Number 20, I, I, now y'all ain't got no money on nobody, but number 20, number 20, she, she gonna win. And she's running hard, or he's running hard. You're like, shoot, that's the next Usain Bolt right there. They start out really good, but what they begin to do is they start looking to the left or to the right. What happens is those brief glances to the left or to the right being concerned about who's beside them, look, 
causes them to slowly lose pace. Come on, y'all seen them running. They're running fast. They getting it, or we think they are. And next thing you know, in their peripheral, they see somebody coming beside them. And whether they realize it or not, that brief glance to the left or to the right causes them to slow their pace. Shout out, pace is paramount. Come on, pace is paramount in this thing. Why? Because your pace has to be sustainable. Oh, this is so good. Your pace has to be sustainable. I don't care if you're the fastest one out the gate. The goal is you've got to get to the finish line first. You may be the fastest one out the gate, but do you have the sustainability to keep your pace when things happen in your life that try to detour you or cause you to be distracted or even step out into somebody else's lane? Pace is sustainable and paramount. Amen? See, it doesn't matter how you start the race. It only matters how you finish. Don't matter how you start. It only matters how you finish. Let's look at 1 Samuel chapter 18, verses 6 through 9. I'm going to read it out of the message translation. This says in verse 6, As they returned home after David had killed the Philistine, the women poured out all of their villages of Israel singing and dancing, welcoming King Saul with tambourines, festive songs, and lutes. Verse 7 says, in, pl in playful frolic, I don't even know what frolic is, the woman sang, Saul kills by the thousand, David by the ten thousand. This made Saul angry, very angry. He took it as a personal insult. He said, they credit David with ten thousands and me with only thousands. Before you know it, they'll be giving him the kingdom. From that moment on, read this, y'all, Saul kept his eye on David. Didn't I just say to you, when you begin to look to the left or to the right, your pace begins to, to slow or you slow down? David is the king. I mean, David, I mean, Saul is the king in this text. And David, look, has been very successful in his battles. Before this particular um, book, in, verse, in chapter 17, that's the battle, battle actually of David and Goliath. Y'all know the story, and if you don't, go back and read chapter 17. But for the most part, y'all know that David was the one who slew Goliath with five smooth rocks, right? So David has been very successful in all his battles, and because of this, Saul was promoting him. At each battle, at each victory, he was becoming more and more not only dependable and reliable and victorious, but he said, look, I can use somebody like you. First you was a private, now you're a lieutenant. Shoot, you're the captain now. You're a general, whatever, right? So he was being promoted. So consistently was he successful, listen, that the nation, as we just read, began to take notice of him and celebrate his great achievements. Do you realize that as you begin to move forward in the things of God, you'll be uh, noted? People will recognize you? The Bible says your gift will go before great men. Let me keep reading, though. However, once they returned from battle, something was birthed in Saul's heart 
when he heard the singing, this is so good, that it caused him to be angry. Now, I just read to you that David was the one who slew Goliath in chapter 17. Everybody took note of it, even Saul, because Saul was out there with them. And Saul was the one who was promoting David. So why was Saul upset when the people were celebrating David? Was it because of the number of people that the ladies were singing and saying that he slew versus how many David slew? I said he was the king. So why is the king jealous of somebody that's in his army who's helping him, come on, to be victorious? Why is the king upset about somebody that's in his army that's helping them to be victorious? The problem is Saul became envious. Look, of somebody that he helped to train. He became envious of somebody that he raised up. He became envious of somebody that he promoted. Y'all better be hear me this morning. Saul develops what I call an ego problem. David's growing popularity and fame causes Saul to become jealous. And instead of being thankful for David, he starts to compare himself to him. You're the king. There's no higher position in the land. Why are you comparing yourself to what some would call this lowly servant? Because there was an inadequacy in Saul or a deficiency in Saul of how he saw himself. See, I would say it's the dreaded what about me syndrome. Oh, come on. Some of y'all know what that syndrome is. It's been visiting y'all lately and knocking at your door. Some of y'all didn't already let it stay in the guest bedroom. The dreaded what about me syndrome. This reminds me so much of the culture that we live in in today. Whether these women, and I don't think they did, meant to call Saul to fear, feel inferior in that moment or not, I don't know. But there was something that rose up in Saul in that moment that when he heard those words, he began to feel less than. Comparison, y'all, causes jealousy. It causes envy. It leads to strife. It leads to anger. It leads to bitterness. It leads to gossiping. It leads to backbiting. It leads to resentment. And in this culture of comparison that we're living in today, we, we have this culture of, of having to prove that I'm more important than you. Or proving that I'm important and you're not as important. Or proving, look, look at me. I brought my cell phone up. Look at me. Look at what I'm doing. Look, 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 look. That's the culture that we're living in in today. Don't, don't you see what I'm doing? Look. Don't, don't you see me? Don't you see me? Don't you see me? Put that slide up there. I began to look at this thing in a different way. I had a new revelation because this is what social media looks like. Where's my social media slide? Social media. Never looked at it like that before. Who I was preparing for this message. Me, me, me. Me, me, me. But nothing about you. That's anti-kingdom. 
Kingdom is not about you. Kingdom is always about others. So, so we, 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 we've created this, I would call, self-absorbing, uh, self-sabotaging, competitive environment with social media that will infiltrate every facet of your life if you let it. Come on, y'all can't even go, some of y'all, some of y'all, not everybody, but some of y'all can't even go to the bathroom without this phone. Tell the truth. Do I got any real people in here this morning? I mean, like, if you leave your phone on the way to church, you realize you left your phone, you would turn that car around and go back home and get that phone. Media. Social media. Social media, listen, church, can be the catalyst for discontentment if you're not careful. It will affect and infect every area of your life. You'll become poisoned by the thought, like Saul, of others who are doing better than you. Look, so much so that you can't celebrate other people's success. Uh, look at this quote. I found this as, as I was preparing this message. Look at this quote. The quote says, dimming someone else's light won't make yours shine any brighter. I, I thought I would have had more amens on that. But, but if you're focused on me, 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 social media, when I do see a sliver of success in somebody that I know personally's life, how does that affect me? Like for real. Like for real, for real. See, we got to deal with this stuff. Because social media is trying to infiltrate the church. And I already told you the church is not about you. It's always about others. Dimming someone else's light won't make your shine any brighter. And when you get that realization in your life, you can celebrate the success of anybody. A, a true story. I'll tell you, I went to the uh, Dollar Tree on yesterday. Dollar Tree, y'all need to send me some money. I'm promoting y'all. Um, to the church, not for me, but to the church, glory to God. But I went to the Dollar Tree yesterday, and the lady who was helping me to cashier, she was just so sweet. And I had bought this little linen two-piece set way back when, when we went on vacation, and I had never worn it. So I happened to have it on yesterday, and I knew I was looking cute, glory to God. And, um, but I mean, I wasn't worried about nobody else. And so I went in the Dollar Tree, and when I got up to the line to pay for my stuff, she said, I want to tell you something. That beige look good on you. I said, well, oh, thank you, girl. And she said, listen, she said, I saw you walk past. She said, and I took a double tap. I looked back. I said, oh, that's a nice two-piece outfit she got. She said, oh, and she got a short haircut. You is working it. I said, girl, you better keep talking. <laughs> Glory to God. <laughs> look, and know what she said? I said, you talking good. And you know what she said? She said, I don't have a problem celebrating other people. She didn't even know she was in my message. She said, I don't have a problem celebrating other people, so I pose that to you. She don't go to my church. She don't know me from anywhere. Those who are in the church, why do you have a problem celebrating other people's successes? Because God is raising up somebody to celebrate you. I didn't even ask her her name. I didn't even ask her her name. We was having such a great time, I left my Kit Kat there. I had to go back and get my Kit Kat. And look, and when I went back, she said, I was running after you. I thought I wanted you to come back and get it. I said, well, praise the Lord. Good seeing you again, girl. Yeah. 
happens is we were happy with how God was blessing us. Oh, taking notes, I hope. We were happy with how God was blessing us until we start scrolling. We were happy. We was content. We was grateful. We were thankful. And then we get on social media. We were happy, man. And then when we get a glimpse into what someone else has posted on their feed or on their timeline, now we start to forget about how God has been blessing us in our lives. The enemy of comparison. See, I'm going to give you some examples, and I know I'm going to locate everybody in this room today. Amen. See, you were happy. We're going on vacation. Y'all know here at Kingdom Life, we have uh, Family Week every July. And this year, y'all decided, look, we're going to Buck Row Beach. Praise God. See, you, if you're watching me on social media and you're not from VA, you have no idea what I'm saying. But Buck Row Beach is a local beach here, right? You were happy going to Buck Row Beach. you like, praise the Lord. Man, we're going on vacation this year. We ain't been nowhere in a long time. Girl, I done got me a new swimsuit and a new beach towel. Y'all better stop playing. We get ready to go. Everything was fine. You go, you have a great time. You come on social media, you start scrolling because you want to post your pictures and let everybody know what you did. But then you start scrolling and you see your girlfriend went to the Bahamas. Now all of a sudden, your Buck Row Beach trip don't mean nothing. You over there hitting your husband. Why we ain't go to the Bahamas? You was excited about Buck Row Beach. You was grateful you went and got a new swimsuit and a beach towel. And now because she went to the Bahamas, you starting to feel some type of way. How about this? You was happy when you got a new car. You, look, on your dream board, you had a Volkswagen bug. You was excited about that bug. You was like, ooh, praise the Lord, I ain't riding the bus no more or bumming rides. I got me a Volkswagen bug. You put it on your social media feed. You let the world know, then you start scrolling. You look over and see that your friend had got her a new Benz. Now you mad about your bug and you don't even want to drive that no more. But you was happy about your Volkswagen bug. Why you can't celebrate the bug and the Benz? Uh, okay. Come on now. You was happy that your kid graduated high school. Look, and he got into that community college. Glory to God. Ain't no wrong with community college, not a thing. You put that out on social media, praise the Lord, this baby graduated. Lord, thank you. I labored and prayed. Lord, I had no idea he was going to make it but God. You put it out there, you post it, you start scrolling, and now your friend got her daughter in Harvard and you feel it some type of way. First of all, why you feel some type of way? Your baby ain't have no SAT scores, nor no GPA to get into Harvard. So you should be happy about that community college. At least he going somewhere. Oh, oh, that ain't enough? Let me talk about your marriage. See, you was happy about having that little small intimate ceremony. It was just you and your boo. Ain't nothing wrong with that. You take a picture, you post it, and you say, Lord, I thank you that I'm not alone no more. I ain't by myself. I got somebody to help me pay these bills. Glory to God. Carry my groceries. Put that car in the garage. You post it, and then you start scrolling, and what happened is you see your friend and had her a $20,000 ceremony, this long dress with all these bees. Y'all know it's hot in the summer. She ain't even need to wear all that. You start talking about her wedding instead of celebrating. Why she got all that fabric on? 
Y'all know I'm telling the truth in here today. Why we can't celebrate the intimate ceremony and the grand fiasco? We got to get ourselves together. Oh, I ain't finished. What about your job? You was happy with that job. Shoot, right now, this is a good time to get some employment. I'm just putting a plug out there for y'all. You were happy with your job. You was like, thank the Lord, I have filled out a thousand applications. <laughs> and somebody said, yes, praise the Lord. I'm starting on Monday. You post that bad boy, you start scrolling, and you see somebody got them a corporate, uh, a corporate position. They got an in-office, and now you mad. Well, you ain't apply for the in-office, and you won't even qualify for that. Why you can't celebrate your success and somebody else's? Oh, I got two more to talk about. I said I'm going to locate everybody. Oh, oh, how about this one? You was happy with your church. Oh, this was the best church ever. You came up in here. You heard that praise and that worship. You heard that. You was like, oh, I ain't never been to a church like this. You put that thing on social media. I didn't found my home. Pastor said, welcome home. I didn't found my home. Ain't no people like these people over at Kingdom Life Church. You hit sin. Then you start scrolling and you look over and see your friend go to the church down the street and around the corner. And they got all these programs going on. But look, it ain't no reason for you to get mad because when you came here, we told you we was mobile. When you came here, we told you we were on a buffet. When, we came, when you came here, we told you we have a thousand programs. So why are you mad? You should be happy for your church and the one around the corner that your friend go to. Oh, I got one more. I got one more. I got one more. You was happy with your pastor. You said, I ain't never met no people like these. I can touch these people. I can call these people. I can even text these people. I can talk to these people after service. You put that on social media. You say, I ain't never met no pastors like Pastor AJ and Pastor AT. I'm typing like I text because I only use one finger. I ain't never met no people like Pastor AJ and Pastor AT. They the best pastors ever. You hit sin and then you start scrolling. And as you're scrolling, you begin to give in to the voice of some internet pastor who only knows you by number, but he sure don't know you by name. Oh, I know I'm talking right today. I'm looking for some people who will be real about their relationship with God, one, with their church, two, and with others, number three. Because what has happened is you have allowed the enemy of comparison to creep in. And when you do that, instead of being focused and running your race like this with long strides, you're like this. See, if you allow the enemy of comparison to creep in, it's going to lead to competition. And competition going to lead to performance. And performance going to try to lead to popularity. But all of that, all what that's going to do, is going to take you out of purpose. Let me say it again. When you allow the enemy of comparison to creep in, it will lead to competition. 
Competition gonna lead to performance. Performance gonna lead to popularity, or at least try to. And then it's gonna take you out of purpose, amen? So again, like I said, instead of taking long strides toward the final destination, you done lost pace. And because of that, your pace is no longer sustainable. You were doing good. There's a scripture that says, you ran well, but what hindered you? Could it have been the enemy of comparison? Let's go back to Hebrews 12 for just a second. It says, let us run with endurance. Endurance in and of itself means keeping pace. I'm in this thing for the long haul. I can't be moved with what's happening to my left and to my right. Let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. Who set it before us again? Oh, okay, I just want to make sure. It's not the race we set for ourselves. It's not the race that society is setting. It's not even the race that social media is setting before us. It's the race that God sets before us. And the truth is, the matter is, social media has gotten a lot of us off focus. And it's caused us to fall into what I call uh, the Jones syndrome. Y'all know about that? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, some of y'all been guilty of that? Yeah. Keeping up with the Joneses. And keeping up with the Joneses, especially on social media, listen to me, gonna cause you to be bankrupt. Do y'all know how many infomercials on social media? Uh, they, they got so many, so many products that they're pushing and so much is being, being pushed upon you. And if you're not careful because you're not in the right mental space, I talked about that in the beginning. If you're not in the right mental space, you'll begin to buy into this fallacy of social media. Fallacy of social media. Remember, everything you see on social media is not an accurate portrayal of somebody else's life. Look, it's a snapshot. Snapshot. Snapshot of what they want you to see. It's not an accurate portrayal. It's a snapshot of what I want you to see. Y'all know what filters are? Now, I'm not talking about your car filter, guys. <laughs> or your AC filter. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about social media. The filter on social media, you realize is that, that a filter changes the way you see things. Help me, Holy Ghost. It changes the way you see things. It impacts the way that, look, you present the world to yourself and to others. Come on now. How many pictures have you taken? You're like, mm -mm, delete. Take another one. Uh-uh, delete. I don't, I don't like that, delete. Why are we disgusted by the accurate portrayal of our lives? That we feel so inclined to have to use a filter. Why is that? That we feel so inclined to have to use a filter to correct or cause us to feel accomplished. Filters, y'all, present to you a false narrative of what you sow, or what you see. False narrative. But as I was studying, the Lord brought this thought to my mind, and I'm going to share it with you. He said, Pastor Tina, you're talking about filters as it pertains to social media. 
But I want you to ask the congregation this. Who in here is using the filter of God's word to correct your view? See, see we always looking through the lens of this. Mm. Look at you, girl. You got it going on. We're looking at our lives through the lens of a camera. But what about looking at our lives through the lens of God's word? The Bible tells us that the word is actually a mirror to us. But how often do we go into the mirror of his word to get our image straight? We do all this in the camera. But how often have we gone into the mirror of his word to get our image straight? Amen? Look, I'm going to tell y'all something today. I'm going to help, I'm going to help some of y'all, especially y'all who watching me by way of social media. Look, God not looking at how many followers you got. He not. He, he don't care about that blue check. He don't care about that gray check or any other check that they may invent, look, to give you status. What God is concerned about is the entirety of your life, and God says, you have already been verified. you already been verified. You're submitting applications and paperwork to people, got to give them all this information about yourself just so they can put a blue check by you or a gray check by you. Look, I don't need your checks. I've already been verified. Let me tell you how I've been verified. I was blood bought and washed. And Jesus paid the ultimate price for me. So I don't need your check mark to make me feel like I've obtained something. I've already obtained. Come on, y'all. Y'all got to get this thing together. Look at 1 Peter 2 and 9. I'm going to read it until you're hearing so you'll know exactly who you are and you won't seek the validation of social media. But you are a chosen generation. Woo! A royal priesthood. A holy nation his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. You want to put something on social media? Get your phone and type that. Say, look, God called me chosen. Hey, I'm royal. Woo! I'm holy. And just in case you didn't know, I'm special, girl. See, the things that we post out there, who are we posting for? Who are we seeking valid validation from? God already told you you were chosen. God already told you you were royal. God already told you you were holy. God already told you you were special. So then if God has already said this, why do you feel so disconnected? Why do you feel so rejected? Why are you so into your feelings? Why are you so offended? It's the enemy of comparison. And you're allowing social media to tell you who you are. Look at Ephesians 2 and 10, New Living Translation. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus. So we can do the things he planned for us long ago. Let's read it again. I want you to read it with me. Verse 10. For we are God's masterpiece. Stop. Make that thing personal. I am God's masterpiece. Let me tell you what masterpiece is. I looked it up. Masterpiece is defined as a work, listen, of outstanding artistry. Dictionary.com says a person's greatest piece of work. 
That's what a masterpiece is. You are God's greatest piece of work. And if you are God's greatest piece of work and you now know that, why do you compare yourself to mere mortals? I think I heard that in a cartoon line one time. <laughs> why are we comparing ourselves? We are all, as believers, God's masterpiece, his greatest work. So you need to hold your head up. Go get, you, can, you can get your camera for this. Get your, get your cell phone out. Hold your cell phone up. Hold your head up. Push your shoulders back and talk to yourself. And this is what I want you to say. I'm a bad somebody. B-A-D-D. Because I don't want them to think you mischievous, B-A-D. No, B-A-D-D. Well, Pastor Tina, that sounds kind of arrogant. That sounds kind of cocky. No, it's not arrogant and cocky. I'm just telling you who God says I am. God says I'm royal. God says I'm chosen. God says I'm special. I am his masterpiece. And when I am confident in that thing, my confidence doesn't make me arrogant. It just makes me confident. It just makes me confident. My daddy said, come on, y'all know y'all, if you had a good father and somebody tried to call you out your name, uh-uh, my daddy said. Uh-uh, my mama said. Now I'm telling you, God said. I'm a bad somebody. Come on. Y'all know y'all get a good outfit. Uh, ladies, I don't know what men do. They probably just like. But ladies, y'all know y'all see a lady. Like that lady I told y'all about in the, dollar, in the Dollar Tree. And um, y'all get, you know, you get this outfit. You're like, oh, girl, this is. Girl, I know one of my aunts, I think, used to say this all the time. She'd be like, girl, that's a bad dress you got on. That's a bad pair of shoes you got on, girl. That's a bad jacket. I don't know why I think. I think my aunt used to say that all the time. So as I was putting this message together and I was thinking about how we're God's masterpiece, look. We are a designer's original. You original. There is nobody else like you on the planet. And all that stuff I just talked about, that jacket, those shoes, and, and that shirt, and whatever else I said in that illustration, praise God. All of that stuff can be produced in mass quantity, but you cannot. You cannot. You are his masterpiece. Look, a limited edition. Y'all ever own anything of significance and you like get the first one up and it's a limited edition? Man, that thing is precious. You know, I was thinking about how we went uh, on vacation. We went to see our covenant brother and sister and Pastor AJ went with um, uh, his covenant brother to go get this, um, this case. And it had a glass enclosure because he had gotten a Bible, I believe it was from the 1800s. And so that thing is precious. It's a limited edition. There aren't any more like it. And so he got this case made specifically for that. That's how I think or I think when God thinks about me and he thinks about you. You are a limited edition. You are precious. Just masterpiece. There's nobody else like you, right? So let's just look at Jeremiah 1 with the time I have. Praise God. Verses 5 through 10 in the New Living Translation. And for sake of time, I'm going to go ahead and read. It says, I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. Before you were born, look, I set you apart and appointed you as my prophet to the nations. Oh, sovereign Lord, I said, and this is Jeremiah talking, I can't speak for you. 
I am too young. Keep reading. The Lord replied, don't say I'm too young, for you must go wherever I send you and say whatever I tell you. And don't be afraid of the people, for I will be with you and will protect you. I, the Lord, have spoken. Then the Lord reached out and touched my mouth and said, look, I have put my words in your mouth. Today I appoint you, listen, to stand up against nations and kingdoms. Some of you, listen, must uproot and tear down, destroy and overthrow. Others you must build up and plant. Again, I told you you were a bad somebody. But if you're not looking at your life against the mirror of the word, you don't think that. And so you begin to doubt yourself. And you begin to think that you're not valuable, that you're not important, or you're not as important as somebody else, right? So you're valuable to God. Look, you were born in the mind of God. We read, I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. Hear me, you were born in the mind of God first. You were born in the mind of God first. And then every detail of your being was deliberately made by him. Come on, every detail. You don't like your hair? Take it up with God. You don't like your feet? Take it up with God. You don't like your hands? Take it up with God. Them not your mama feet. Them the feet God said you were going to have. Every detail was deliberately crafted by him. But yet, knowing all of this, like I've shared with you, like Jeremiah, I realize that some people will still make excuses. I, I can't do it. I'm not good enough. Why are they asking me? I'll give y'all a true story in the time I have, praise God. I I'll never forget, I'll never forget this. This is so funny, I laugh about it all the time, and I think about it every time I have to minister. I was asked to minister at a large conference at my pastor's church. Y'all know our pastors, Apostle Ray and Pastor Sharon. And um, when I got the invitation, I was like, what? Y'all know how some of y'all do. We ask y'all to minister. What? They want me. So that's what I was thinking, like, in myself, like, what? They want me? Why? Why? Why do you want me? I mean, I was coming to the conference, and I was. But I just want to sit back. Y'all know how y'all do. I just want to sit back and soak it up and take it in. You know, I just want to take it in. You know, I don't want to do anything. I just want to sit there and glean, you know, glory to God. <clears throat> Excuse me. And so, because I was thinking about myself, and I was thinking, and this is why I was thinking to myself, I am just this, what I would call relatively unknown pastor from Richmond, Virginia. You know, Pastor AJ and myself, we just started this ministry officially 10 years ago. At that time, less than that. We had seven people to start our ministry with us. We didn't hardly have anybody. And you're asking me to speak on this large conference platform. And not only do you want me to speak, you want a picture to put on the flyer? <laughs> See, y'all playing now, right? <laughs> I'm just playing Pastor Sharon and Apostle. <laughs> but what I was doing is I was starting to negate the giftings that God gave me because I'm comparing myself to the platform of those those others and isn't that what some of y'all do I just told you you were royal you were chosen you're special you're holy you're God's masterpiece and in spite of all of those things like Jeremiah when God calls you to come forth and do something you begin to make excuses like I did 
And the thing about it is when I was talking to my pastor, and, you know, we just talking about the conference because we're still in that preparation stage. This is the thing she said. She said, I prayed about who to bring to the conference. And everybody that I'm bringing to the conference is who God told me to bring. Oh, let me just rest right there for a second. Who God told her to bring. Not necessarily who she wanted to bring. But she allowed God to give her instructions. Come on. As you're on this race called life, you better allow God to give you instructions. Allow God to give you instructions. Amen. So I went to the conference, of course, because she asked me. And I believe, you know, of course, God told her to do. I can't argue with it when you, when you say God told somebody something. How you going to argue with that when you say God told you? You know what I'm saying? I can't argue with that. So I was obedient, went to the conference. I can't believe what, I can't think of exactly what I ministered on, but I believe it had to do with relationships. And after the, uh, I think I did a workshop the first time, but after it was over, this lady came up to me who was another pastor. She was like, oh my goodness, that was so, so, so good. Oh, it just blessed me. Can I have your conference notes? They look this little, this little relatively unknown pastor from Richmond who got about 40 people on the register on the roll and 30 of them come church on the regular. <laughs> you want my notes. I was so baffled, I guess. Not that God could use me because I know he could, but that somebody else was blessed from my gift. Oh, this is a word right here. See, there are going to be times when we feel as if what we have to offer is inadequate. And when we try to measure it against somebody else, especially when we think that they're more qualified. But I've come to realize that if God called me to do it, he has equipped me to go forth. And so my inadequacies now become his strengths. My inadequacies now because his, it become his strength. Now, I do need to say this in case um, that pastor, because she asked me for my notes, in case you're watching this broadcast all these years later, I was so enamored by you just giving me that compliment that I never gave you the notes. So look, hit me up on social media, amen. Just go on DM me. And I'll try to go back all those years and find that. I do save all of my messages. So if you're watching, I apologize. Please forgive me and don't hold it against me. Hopefully you ain't been walking around in a fence all this time. Amen. <laughs> but again, I've learned over the years that when my own inadequacies, I'm sorry, become God's all sufficiency. Amen. Shout out, I must be true to myself. Amen. I want you to stop measuring yourself by your own preconceived standards and measure yourself by God's ability. Amen. This will be my final scripture for today. First, uh, first Corinthians two verses one through two out of the easy read translation. And again, for the sake of time, I'll go ahead and read it. It says, dear brothers and sisters, when I came to you, I told you the secret truth of God, but I did not use fancy words or great wisdom. I decided that while I was with you, I would forget about everything except Jesus Christ and his death on the cross. Listen to me clearly. If you can hermeneutically expound on any text utilizing the Greek and the Hebrew 
to come about with a, look, and I wrote it down, formal, formalizing a literary exposition of stated text than have added. But that's not me. Let me say that again. Let me read it. If you can hermeneutically expound on the interworking of the Bible, utilizing the Greek and the Hebrew and formalizing a literary exposition of stated text, have added. But guess what? That's not me. Why are you saying that, Pastor Tina? Because stop trying to make me somebody that I'm not. Not just me. You. Stop trying to make yourself something that you're not. Stop trying to feel like you need to compare and c compete with everybody. Look, let me be the best pastor I can be. Let me be the best sister. Look, the best wife, the best mother. Let me be the best Atina Latrell Clark Johnson that I can be. Look, let me be the best me. And let you be the best you. Come on, I thought I'd get more hand claps on that. So we're not a one-size-fit-all. You're not a one-size-fit-all. You're unique and special in your own giftings. You're unique and special in your own giftings. And I've come to realize again, nobody can be me but me. And they certainly can't be better at being me than me. And nobody can be better at you than you. This is all I know. With all of my shortcomings, with all of my inadequacies, God can still use me. So let me say this one little thing, because I got to do this little demonstration if I'm done. I was reading a book, and in the book, the guy asked, or was asked, because he's asked this all the time, how's he doing? Like, how are you doing? And his response is always the same. His response is, if I was doing any better, they'd be, I'd be twins. Isn't that interesting? And I thought about that. I was like, oh, wow, if he was doing any better, he'd be twins, twins. What does that mean? Twins, twins, twins. So I looked something up, and I came to this conclusion, look, that even identical twins don't have the same fingerprints. Oh, y'all going to catch this when y'all get home. I've come to realize, listen, that people may have similar talents and giftings, but we're not the same. Oh. I just said even identical twins don't have the same fingerprints. The similar but not the same. Think about that. See, being any less than what God has created you to be is a shame and a mockery to God. He wants the maximum yield. Shout maximum. He wants the maximum yield from your life. And he's looking for a return on his investment. And when I had that thought, I said, what do you mean you're looking for a return on your investment? And I wrote this down this morning as I was going back over my message. He said, because I sold my son in you. I sold my son in you. And because I sold my son in you, I'm looking for a return on my investment. So instead of looking to the left and to the right, why don't you just keep focused on me? All right, Media, I want you to put this, uh, this thing up. This is the last thing I'm dealing with, I'm going to talk about today. I want you to put this picture up. Ah, Isn't it cute? That's my great niece. So... My great niece sends me pictures all the time. For those of you who don't know, this is Skylar. I call her Tater Tot. Don't ask, I'll just tell you about it later. Praise God. But anyway, so this is Skylar. And uh, Skylar had her sunshades on. And my niece sent me the picture. This is one of a couple of different ones, but I got this one for a demonstration. My niece sent me this picture, and I was like, oh my goodness, look how cute she is with her um, sunshades on. And she corrected me. My niece did. She said, 
Auntie, that's not just her sunshades. What are those? I, no, she said, that's not her sunshades. I said, what are they? She said, they're her hater blockers. you but I went and got me a pair of hater blockers now let me tell you look now these on and popping these need to be on uh, on social media let me tell you about these hater blockers in closing when I saw my great niece and her sunshades and then my niece told me that they were hater blockers I said oh I'm gonna get me a pair of them and let me tell you why I'm gonna get me a pair because I realized that even in the year of 2020, we're still in the year of purpose. And we decreed from January, well really it was 2021, right? It was December that we talked about and we ran, came into 2021 and we declared it was a year of purpose. And I realized that even in the month of September, we're still in the year of purpose. And so I got me some hater blockers because I am fully focused on what God has for me and what he has for me alone. So in this season, I'm blocking out doubt, I'm blocking out fear, I'm blocking out unbelief, I'm blocking out envy, I'm blocking out jealousy, I'm blocking out every competitive spirit, I'm blocking out every destiny blocker, I'm blocking out anything that will keep me off my lane. You better get you a pair of hater blockers. No, we ain't selling these in the resource center. You got to go to your own. See, I'm blocking out all that foolishness. Because that stuff has tried to distract me long enough. And I say no more. No more will I be distracted. No more will I be looking to the left and to the right. No more will I be concerned about what my sister is doing or what my brother is doing. No, from this day forward, I'm focused on myself and I'm celebrating their success. Come on, you better get a Lord a hand clap of praise. Come on. I'm realizing that a lot of time people lose focus. Why? Because they're drawn to fads. And the thing about fads is, look, they come and they go. What's popular today ain't popular tomorrow. What's popping today ain't popping tomorrow. You better stay fixed and focused on Jesus. Who is the author, look, and the finisher of your faith? If you got nothing else out of my entire message today, I'm going to read this one statement and I'm done. Keep your eyes on Jesus and stay in your lane. And I'm done. The enemy of comparison. Woo. Hallelujah. If the Holy Spirit has convicted or inspired you to join or reach out to us through today's message, then email us at kingdomlifechurchva at gmail.com. If you would like to give towards this ministry or find out more, check out our website, which is kingdomlifeva.com, and follow us on Instagram and Facebook at kingdomlifeva. Thank you for listening, and be sure to subscribe so you can hear more messages like this.